spend my dollar. It's not about what you want, it's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go. This is the payback. Alabama wins! What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Hello and welcome to a Who's the Dude edition of the Alabama Football Podcast as we continue our spring tour. Uh, Today we're going to spend time talking about the wide receiver position. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to say 2022 was a system shock for Alabama fans, especially at the wide receiver position. We're talking about a team. We're talking about an era that has produced Julio, Amari, Ridley, Judy, Ruggs, Smitty, Mechie, and Jamo. One name stars. However, through much of, potentially all of, the 2022 season, Alabama fans, Alabama, I think as a team, was unable to identify their one go-to starter. Not a single name celebrity star, but who's the dude, who's the go-to dude in a critical situation? My money was on that being Ja'Cory Brooks. That's who I, you know, but midway through this season, I said, this is the guy, this is the number one receiver. But if you go back and look at the numbers, and some fans, you know, would argue that it was uh, Jermaine Burton, and they have a fine case for that. And in fact, if you go back and you and you look at, and I did, the 22 stats uh, for Burton and Brooks, uh, Burton had 677 yards and seven touchdowns. Brooks had 674 yards eight touchdowns. So there's a three-yard differential. There was one touchdown pass differential uh, between the two. I think Burton dropped a, a pass uh, against Kansas State. I would. That's the difference. It's a one. It's a one-play difference uh, that um, that separates the two. Their stats were nearly identical. Now, if you peel back those numbers a little bit more, Brooks was more consistent over the course of the season. His um, I didn't. I didn't. I looked at the numbers. I didn't run the numbers. Uh, but his standard deviation, game to game to game, uh, there was less variability in his numbers. And so, you know, maybe Jermaine had a bigger day at the peak, uh, but Brooks is a player that you could count on every day to show up and produce. And so, well, how do you evaluate, you know, the guy who has better numbers must be, or capable of putting up better numbers must be the go-to guy, or is it the guy that it doesn't matter the circumstances, he's going to produce consistently game to game to game to game. That's your number one guy. For me, That may, that's the differentiator uh, in the direction of Brooks. But the point is, there's a discussion. There's an opportunity that it could be either. And neither player was what you would consider a world beater. So, like, what truly is the debate? We're debating for second place uh, in, in my mind. Now, both of those players uh, have an opportunity to excel and be a true dude, a true go-to guy in 23. But the point is there wasn't one in 22 and Alabama's going to need one. Um, you know, in contrast, there was a bevy of young talent that Alabama sort of burst in the seam. So you could say, well, we didn't have a clear, true number one. Maybe they're two guys. I don't know, but neither one a clear number one. But we had sort of a, a burst of young talent that contributed and came onto the scene as well. Kendrick Law, Kobe Prentice, and Isaiah Bond are maybe three that come top of mind. Uh, early in the season, I thought Kobe Prentice uh, had an opportunity to, to maybe step out and be a breakout freshman and be the number one receiver. Later in the season, Isaiah Bond 
made some really big plays and looked like uh, he had developed during the season. And Kendrick Law was mostly steady from about the second uh, third of the season all the way through. And so it is exciting to look at the talent, uh, but there's still no singular dominant force. And so I think that's that's going to be interesting. I think, you know, for Grins, you add in the Juco transfer, uh, two redshirt freshmen, two true freshmen. And uh, for my money, you come up with 10 candidates, uh, potential candidates to compete and fill out our receiving core. And I'm going to say a conventional lineup. You have 10 components battling for what I would call a conventional lineup of wide receivers. Well, what define conventional? What does that mean? Uh, it's something sort of in my brain. I look at a conventional receiver core that's that's quality, sort of top flight, as having one clear go-to receiver. Now, you can have a lot of studs at the top, but there's got to be a big toe on the foot. And so there's got to be a go-to receiver that uh, that is truly the number one. Uh, I think you want to have a strong three. Uh, you think about 11 personnel, one tight end, uh, one running back, that leaves three receivers in the formation. You want to have three guys that you're comfortable with uh, being out there. Now, you're going to have a clear, you know, one's better than two and two's better than three, but you have three guys that you're comfortable with. Uh, you don't have somebody's little brother dragging along just to round out the team. You've got three quality guys uh, at those three positions. And that's where you start to get into mismatch opportunities, right? Uh, I'll simplify this uh, to, to make the point. Your number one receiver typically is going to draw the the opponent's best corner. It's pretty straightforward. You'd want it to work that way. I know there's zone formations and double co coverages, and you can mix it all up the different ways that you try to, you know, confuse a quarterback. But if we just think about it, you know, sort of at brass tacks level, your your best receiver is going to be covered by their best corner. Now you want your receiver good enough to be better than most of your opponent's best corners, and Alabama has that luxury. You want your 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 second best receiver. Typically, generally, conceptually, is going to be covered by the second best coverage uh, guy on the opponents. Now, you want your number two receiver to be so good that maybe the differential between your two and their two is more than your one and their one. And so you start to create mismatched opportunities. And boy, if you really have got uh, talent on your team, then your third best receiver against their third best corner, that's where mismatches uh, really can start to happen. That's where they can, they can sort of you know, have to have to get creative in their coverage. You know, go back to with Judy Ruggs and Smitty uh, all being on the same team. You need three best cover guys to cover those three guys, and and that doesn't exist. So you create a lot of mismatches. So you got to have one clear guy. I think you got to have three that are strong that you feel really good about. That they may not all be equally as talented, but when you compare them to the matchups they're going to have. That they, that they can consistently win those matchups. That's what I'm talking about, about three strong. You want to go five deep because you're going to go four or five wide receivers at, at various times uh, over a game or over a season. And so you want to make sure when you add on those two additional receivers, there's going to be stair steps down, but not a drop, not a drop off uh, between those three. And then you want depth because you're going to rotate. Uh, you might play six, seven, eight guys in a game, depending upon how many five receiver sets, how many times you send them on nines, you're going to have to, you know, have guys rotate out. So you want to make sure you have some, some depth there. Uh, so that's how I would sort of set a pecking order, uh, if you will. And, and so that's what I'm looking for uh, across spring is how does this collection of talent, this, this talent that Alabama has at the wide receiver position, 
How does it sort of slot itself? Now, I'm going to tell you right now, we're not going to know that fully by the end of A-Day, uh, by the end of spring. But we're going to start to kind of see grouping. So these guys are competing for the one or the within the three or, you know, these guys are going to be in the five deep. And we might be talking about seven guys in the in the five deep because they've started to sort of separate themselves and congeal around those topics. And so my where's my head like right now around this? I would say the clear number one, and I'm using my categories. I'm not saying this guy is the clear number one. I'm saying my category, my clear number one category, I'll put three guys in, in, that, in that bucket right now, each competing uh, to be the clear number one. Look, Ja'Cory Brooks, right? Uh, Jermaine Burton, for reasons that we've talked about. Uh, I'll put Malik Benson in there, and I know he's a JUCO, but holy Holy heck, his first month on campus, his first few weeks on campus, he was catching passes for Bryce Young in uh, his pro day. That doesn't happen. That's not supposed to happen. It almost felt like a Julio Jones moment when that video was quote unquote leaked. Uh, it almost felt like, hey, let us show you what kind of toy we have here at the uh, wide receiver position. And so we sort of showed off, if you will, Malik Benson uh, uh, playing for uh, Bryce in his pro day. So. That also is maybe a statement against last year's recruiting, <laughs> last year's receiving class, right? This guy from nowhere, right, from the streets almost. Now he's a Juco. I don't mean it quite like that, but was able to come in and uh, be a receiver for a quarter, quarter quarterback uh, that's competing to be the first, you know, choice off the board, right? Uh, and so I give my edge to Malik Benson and plus all the reports. Uh, so, I, so, so those guys I think are completing, competing for uh, the clear number one spot now. When you go three strong, what I've talked about is three strong. And so, uh, but let's open it up. There's a little bit of a competition. Uh, I think Kobe Prentice, I think Kendrick Law, and I think Isaiah Bond uh, have an opportunity to truly compete. There's a there's a waterfall here, right? And so I've got three guys competing for a clear number one. Well, that's your strong three. But, you know, that next category includes some guys that could uh, potentially pop, uh, pop as well. And Kobe Prentice, Kendrick Law, and Isaiah Bond. Now that gives you six. And so my next category is five deep. Well, I like all six of those competing for that five deep. Uh, I like Emmanuel Henderson, a uh, player that was injured uh, going into fall camp last year as a true freshman, started at running back, moved to wide receiver. Uh, coach said he's too talented not to have on the field, uh, not going to break the rotation at running back, but he's so talented. He's also a little undersized for running back. Uh, let's put him over at wide receiver. Uh, he had a little bit of an injury. I think Coach Saban has even said he would have contributed last year had he not been set back uh, with injury. And so he's a guy that now, healthy, a year in the program, he's going to be ready to go. And so look for Emmanuel Henderson uh, potentially to burst throughout spring. And then Chaz Preston, a true freshman last year that didn't get a lot of playing time, uh, maybe a little bit in sort of mop-up situations, certainly uh, uh, certainly redshirted. He's a guy that I think has uh, an immense amount of talent. And again, it's, you know, you got too many baskets and not enough eggs. Uh, and so some guys just don't get, uh, don't get opportunities. Aaron Anderson, I think, is a tremendously talented guy. Too many baskets, not enough eggs. He transfers to LSU where they've got more eggs than they do baskets. And so, uh, you know, you lose a player like that. But uh, Chaz uh, stuck around, Preston, and so I think he has an opportunity to, to catch some balls uh, throughout spring and compete for uh, for a role. And then I'm going to go depth players, uh, and I'm, I'm going to poke at uh, a couple individual uh, freshmen, Jalen Hale and Jaron Hamilton. Uh, I think these guys are very talented, and I think they have the opportunity to uh, to, to I want to say step over. That sounds rude, right? But to 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 pass 
in the pecking order, uh, some of the guys that have been around campus uh, a little bit. So I come up with 10 candidates right there. They're not all going to be all-stars in year one, uh, but it's how does the pecking order sort of shake out. And uh, I like the talent that we've added at what I'm considering the top of the list. And I like the development that that has happened over sort of like the mid sort of the, the top two thirds of that list. The other guys I haven't seen as much from and certainly the, the true freshmen that are that are coming around. I think one and I'm going to get it wrong if I predict, but between Hell and Hamilton, I think one is on campus and one isn't. So there'll be some natural separation uh, again that comes as a, as a result of that. But uh, I think that's going to be interesting. And also, I'm going to tell you, um, you know, offensive coordinator Tommy Reese, and we're going to talk about him uh, in a separate show, uh, but he's bringing uh, scheming guys open uh, as an approach to offense that perhaps Alabama did not uh, uh, enjoy or appreciate last year. And so I think that uh, Tommy Reese comes in probably three steps uh, ahead of where he may have been at his last stop and maybe from an offensive uh, philosophy standpoint, even from where Alabama was uh, last year uh, with the talent and the depth. And so for my money, the wide receiver position is going to be a compelling contest to see how, uh, how that shakes out. So, Hey, I hope you're enjoying this content. These spring shows, these like small bites uh, of, of content. I really hope you're appreciating those. Uh, if you have any topics or questions you'd like for us to address, uh, drop us an email uh, at Alabama football podcast or Alabama football podcast at gmail.com. So there you go. Get my ads in the right place and uh, you know, drop us questions, drop us topics. And uh, if you're going to be at a day and you're interested in, Hey, let's go, uh, let's go sort of shake hands or have a drink or uh, spend some time with that uh, cool podcast crew. Uh, we would love for you to do that. So drop us an email uh, in that regard too. So with that, this has been another edition of the Alabama football podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama football podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, coach? Of course. Roll Tide.